everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is George and I'm here with my co-host, Liam. Hello everybody, thank you for having us. I'm, I'm sitting down for the recording of this episode, which is the first time we've ever done that and I feel weird. It's kind of weird being taller than you, not going to lie, because I am not a tall woman. So uh, I'm going to look down on you, as yes. I do most white men. Yeah. <laughs> um, each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we discuss how they discovered it, what they love about it, and what makes it flawless for them. We have a Facebook group. It's called Flawless Friends and Family. Oh, it's where we discuss all things music that we love and that you love. And we post in there about upcoming episodes most of the time and what albums we are nominated. You can find the link in our show notes. You can also let us know if you disagree on whether mm-hmm. something was or was not flawless. Yeah. Um, You'll have to listen all the way to the end, though, to find out. What you we will, thought. absolutely. And it can become contentious. And of course, we are a podcast. We have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month and get that early access to our episodes, access to our bonus episodes, and a warm, fuzzy feeling inside that you are helping us to spread the flawless love. Mm -hmm. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawless. A-M-P. It's the Southern Hemisphere down here, so it's winter, so warm, fuzzy feelings are good. Northern Hemisphere, you may not want warm. I mean, there's giant bushfires striking their way across the United States, destroying the entire civilization, but... Depending on what... That's not fuzzy. This is fuzzy. You can lift them to this episode again at any time of the year. (laughs) Yes. And still get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Like when Grandma used to make your porridge. Mm -hmm. So, um, Liam, is it just... Is it just me and you today? It is not just me and you today. You have introduced us, but you are not nominating. Oh, I think we've got someone else in the room. We do. Let's let's introduce them, shall we? In fact, introduce thyself. <laughs> Hello, my name is Branko. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Yeah, nice. It's nice to be here. Good. Um, you've come onto this podcast and you are nominating an album, but... Tell us about yourself. Tell us about the things you do you do you do otherwise apart from nominating albums. Okay, uh, I do many musical things. I run a record label called Zang Records. Awesome. I that run... doesn't sound stressful. No, at all. no, no, not in this climate. Uh, and a music festival um, just to up the stress levels a little bit called Sonic Masala Fest. Uh, and I also play in three bands: uh, Tape Off. Gold Stars, and Total Pace as well. Can you explain why you play in three bands? It's Brisbane and one band is not enough. No, (laughs) it's what do you play? I play the drums. Yeah, That's the rule. Brisbane drummers cannot only be in one band. There's too many bands and not enough drummers. Correct. So that's why you play in three bands. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, fair enough. That's good. So where can we find out more about your band? Yeah, list the social media of every band. I feel like we are definitely very active on Instagram. That's the number one place. But uh, our Is that because camps, you're so pretty? Yeah, well, I don't mind a selfie or two. No. Uh, live shots are, are very nice. Uh, I do enjoy the art of uh, the, the, the visual arts. So, nice. yeah, Instagram is definitely where it's at. But uh, Bandcamp as well. Check out the Zang Records Bandcamp. You can check out... Some bands have, we've released through there, such as Gold Stars, but also Spirit Bunny, um, Lacadaisies, and Platonic Sex as well, which are releases so far. Platonic nice. Sex. 
been there. Yeah. <laughs> the music sounds better. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, Total Pace has been uh, chipping away at recording our first album. And Gold Stars, our first album, has been out working on the second one. And ter- Tape Off, we have a third album, mostly recorded. Going to get it mixing soon. Hopefully, we'll have it out before Australia has another Prime Minister. And prior to this episode's recording, I have purchased a tape off vinyl record and t-shirt, the yellow one. Yes. Nice. It was really exciting. And I wear it with pride, an Australian band t-shirt day. So, yes, it's very exciting. Thank you. But um, despite the fact that you are named in the episode that they clicked and the album's there already with the artwork, I would like you to use some emphasis as you announce which album you have nominated today. The album that we're going to listen to today and talk about is... Source Tags and Codes by dot dot dot. <laughs> and you will know us by the Trail of Dead. Ellipses. Ellipses, yeah. I was, I, was, I was thinking whether to put the dot, dot, dot there, but I really want to accentuate that, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you, do you file it under dot or do you file it under A? I think mine's under A. Mine's under A. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you can file it under dot. I don't know. iTunes won't allow it, probably. Yeah, that's true. Or you just put it in a numbering system. So you just put it at the very beginning mm, of your yeah, collection. Yeah, true. Punctuate, a punctuation band. Yeah, punctuation band. Like, there's a one in the UK called check check check, check. yeah <laughs> the three yeah. exclamation marks what comes first the dot 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 or chick 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 definitely I'll... the dot 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 yes <laughs> yes it's always very early in my record collection awesome okay so um you have nominated and you will know us by the trail of dead and can i just point out firstly it's a really metal name mm-hmm. for a band that are not metal no they're heavy and they're angry but they're not metal no, but they sound like they're going to be Norwegian deathcore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you actually listen and go, there's melody here. Yeah. So um, if you were, you've already heard the beginning of the album. So um, be prepared for a lovely journey. Mm-hmm. So um, why did you nominate this album? How did you come across it? So 2002 was the album... The, the year the album came out and I read a lot of great reviews on it. So at the time, Juice Magazine still existed. Rolling Stone Magazine was still uh, very vital and Street Press was, uh, you know, my number one source for uh, weekly information on where I can see music, what I should be listening to, who's hot, you know, things of the such. And... In April 2002, I just remember reading 
consistent reviews of this record of this band that had an incredibly stupidly long name <laughs> and uh, artwork that was kind of ominous and I um, thought I'd check it out. So it was in the age of music piracy as well. So at the time... Which one did you use? I definitely started out with Napster and then I had Winamax. I had... Uh, Audio Galaxy I tried for a while there. There was Soulseek. Love that one. Yeah. Nice. Soulseek still exists in, in some shape, way or form at the moment, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm sure my first taste of it would have been previewing it through uh, those musical piracy means of the day. Um, but yeah, when I finally got a copy of it and got to look at the artwork, which is done by the singer Conrad Keeley, um, yeah, it, it really gave it the whole picture. It was an amazing record. Mm. Awesome. So, Leon. Hello. When this name dropped into the group chat, mm-hmm. had you heard of them before or this album? I heard of them before. I had absolutely heard of them before and this album. Um, I own every Trail of Dead album, all 11 albums and a few of the EPs and a few of the, some bootleg live stuff and yeah. Um, this this was my first album. I was the same. I was like looking at street press. Everyone was raving about it. Um, Another Morning Stoner, I'm sure, was on Triple J at the time. Yeah, I, I would have heard. heard it, I would have seen the clip, clip on Rage yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, and that, this was right when I first started getting my um, disposable income up there. So that one song and it was enough for me to get this album. And yeah, I went, totally and went ca- from there. I called it. Yeah. I knew it. Before I left the house, I was just like Liam's definitely all over this record to yeah. my partner and he was like how do you know and i'm like i know you gotta yeah. i just i just know this yeah. is his this is his wheelhouse yeah george yep had you heard of trail of dead and or source tags and codes uh yes um and sort of so trail of the dead definitely um but i was one album ahead so i was on worlds apart first mm-hmm. so um great album the rest will follow is one of my nice. favorite songs of like all time yeah um and i don't say that lightly it's on many playlists that i've got it just get gets me so much so i've spent the last few weeks last week preparing for this podcast flipping between source tag and codes and walls apart yep. and just living the dream yeah. <laughs> so that was really exciting so um i've definitely heard this record um and i it was super familiar to me um and there are certain songs that stood out and i was just like oh, i i know this one mm-hmm. and i used to go to um clubs when i lived in leeds when i was like um like 18 plus like after this album came out in my 20s um yeah i used to go to clubs that would play trail of dead mm-hmm. and we would dance to it and we would have a lovely time and it was all very fun so yeah. i had a soul seek version of um, worlds apart <laughs> yes just bringing it back so i also stole from them however i have a big question for you yeah have you seen them live? I've seen them, I think, three, maybe four times. So first time I saw them, and probably like a lot of people in Brisbane, I seem to, when I talk to other fellow Trailer Dead fans, it sounds like we were all there in the pit, but we didn't know each other at the time. <laughs> uh, Livid 2003. Um, they were like the 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. slot or something mm-hmm. like that. I was a big fan of the record. Uh 
had to get as close as possible for the set and I was not ready for how rambunctious it's their set so was intense. Be. Yeah, yeah. I, you might have, you and I might have been standing next to each other because I was <laughs> I was right up the front, two p.m. Yeah, that livid set. People, yes, amazing. People love them live, right? Yes, We're like throwing around. And yeah. I'm I'm the same. I've seen them at least three, maybe four times now when they've come to Brisbane. But the one thing I always remember from the livid set was they had big um, bins of like the yeah. the garbage bins full of water. And towards the end, one of them just like dove down into the full bin full of water because they were obviously passing it out to the people who were in the front row. And he was just like, like he's come from America. It's like not that hot there. I mean, they're from, they're from, I think from Texas Texas, or something. Like they're from a pretty hot area, but it's like, they just weren't ready. They're all in black. And he's just like, fuck it. And just dove into this bin full of water that everybody was supposed (laughs) to be drinking later. Yeah. Everybody remembers that. Yeah. Also how all the band members used to swap instruments as well. It was a, the first band that I saw do such a thing like that. Mm-hmm. It was um, when I started Tape Off, I remembered that from that Livid show and wanted to start a band where we could all swap our instruments, yeah. um, just like Trail of Dead did. So super inspirational. And I came away, my mind blown. And uh, it was quite a few years later, I got to see him again at the zoo. Uh, I think when they were touring for Century of Self. Mm-hmm. And... By that time, they had two drummers and a keyboard player. So they had expanded by then. Um, that was an amazing set. I remember Conrad Keeley had uh, broken a guitar string. Instead of actually just changing the string and getting another guitar, he actually grabbed the headstock of the guitar and bent it in half, just broke it right there and then. <laughs> and they were notorious for that too. They would yeah. smash all the instruments at the end of shows. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, and I saw, I, I got to meet them. I did have an interview with Conrad Keeley when I, uh, at four triple Z on my show on necessary knowledge. And I was super nervous asking him about this particular record. I saw him that night. They played at Woodland, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now part of the Woolly, Woolly Mammoth, the upstairs stage and, um, playing that album in full, which was amazing. I went to see him because friends of mine were supporting him nervous again i was a little child and i was like i could have asked him anything and i think i said something stupid like i like your shoes or something yeah. like that. <laughs> i froze up um so yeah i've seen him a few times and that amazing every nice. time so Liam, you've seen them a few times too. yeah so three or four times as well um i've actually interviewed him as well from back in my days when i was doing mm. music journalism as well but it was over the phone um the one thing i do remember so the band Conrad Keeley and Jason Reese are the two consistent members all the way through the band's lifetime. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I said, I sort of said to them, you know, what do you got coming up? And they're like, oh, whenever it was, they're like, oh, yeah, we're recording an album soon. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, you know, now that we're a bit older, we're all, you know, we're all in different states. And I was like, oh, how does that work? And he said, yeah, um, Jason and I just put the word out and whoever shows up, shows up. <laughs> so, so like, that's how they rotate through a band member. It's like, if the band member's like, oh, I can't record right now, they're like, all right, you're out. Let's find someone local who can come in and be part of the band instead. Because it was just, it was always those two guys. Yeah. Just leading everything. And then, yeah. It was well, really cool. unlike you guys. Yeah. Had you seen them live, George? I've seen them live, but I've never interviewed any no. of them. So <laughs> I feel very left out of this conversation. So um, if Conrad wants to get in touch with me, um, I'll just do an interview for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. We'll put it on Twitter. Well, yeah. I believe he lives on this side of the equator um, and he does come to Australia. A, a bit so 
your time will you come soon. My time will come. Yep. Okay, if anyone gets the feelers, like, let me know. Um, so I saw them in back in the UK, 2007 and 2013 in Leeds, um, when I lived up there. But they are an Interscope band. Mm-hmm. Were? Were? Or yeah, were, sorry, for this were. album, yeah. Yeah, for this for album, this definitely. Album. Um, but um, on Interscope, um, I, they also had bands such as Ex Ambassadors, Jimmy World, Weezer, Elliot Smith, Counting Crows that have been covered on the mm-hmm. Flawless podcast. We've done some Interscope bands. And we have, they, they also had Garbage and Queens of the Stone Age that at some point are going to be covered yeah. on the podcast. So, uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, so they did They did their first two albums and then this was the first one for a major, for mm. Interscope, and then their next two mm-hmm. were both for Interscope as well and then they hated being on Interscope so much that they were like, nah, we're out. We'll go and start our own label and do everything ourselves from now on. So There's, there's a story that I read um, with Worlds Apart, the album after Source Tags and Codes. It was supposed to come out at the end of 2004 and Interscope... I think originally had an earmark for that and had penciled it in, but then you two said, "Oh, we're about to release our album, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb," and pushed Trail of Dead to the side off the schedule and moved them to January, which I guess in record land, uh, sort of speak, uh, is a not very favorable time of year mm-hmm. to be releasing records. So they yeah. felt very shafted by that and did so divided, gave them, you know, sort of their contract and mm-hmm. couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah. They list their influences as bands like Fugazi, Bikini Kill, Sonic Youth and Led Zeppelin, but then also Bach and Vivaldi. Wow. Which plays they're in very, quite well. They're very art school boys. They are, who right? Who can also thrash a guitar. Like it's, yeah, I think that really comes through in a lot of their stylings. Also, something that I didn't know until I started doing the research for Trail of Dead, they broke up. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I didn't know they broke up. They in, released their final album and in disbanded. March. In March this year, yeah, yeah, they were just like, I think they released the album and nobody, it didn't really do anything, and they were just like, all right, you know what, you guys don't want us. We're sick. Of, like touring is a pain in the ass. Recording doesn't get us anywhere. We're out. But I mean, like, you know, they say that now, but like I said, because it's those two guys and whatever else happening behind them. Next month, they could just be like, actually, we're friends and we like recording. Let's just get the band back together. <laughs> or Conrad could release another solo album or Jason could do some solo stuff. Like, it's not, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was it, like, so I couldn't find any charting as such. But no, I don't think it did any. It got 85% on Metacritic. Um, yes. Five stars on all music. Eight out of 10 enemy. 10 out of 10 pitchfork. Mm-hmm. And then it was number 100 of 200. In 2009, of best albums of the 2000s by Pitchfork. So, yeah, so you spoke earlier about like the street press stuff and how it was really popular. And, like you said, George, they gave it a 10 out of 10. So, it was Matt LeMay on there who gave it a 10 out of 10. So, obviously, like a your Pitchfork 10 out of 10s are like they're normally really big, fundamental, shifting albums, like Hen's Teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, and like he gave it 10 out of 10. And literally, in an interview two days later, he was talking to the band. And he was like, do you think it's a 10 out of 10 record? Because I'm worried I might have made a mistake. And then he, and they were like, yeah, we don't like it. I think they sort of swayed away from it because they don't want to give themselves a rating. But in the moment, they're like, this is 10 out of 10. But it's like 10 out of 10 albums are supposed to fundamentally change, you know, something about music. Whereas this, I think they realized like 
this wasn't going to be something that a lot of bands aped or a lot of bands tried to sound like afterwards, even though everybody really loved it. So it's an interesting, it's got an interesting place because when I was doing that research, it's like there's a lot of, you see a lot of, here's where we wrote a great article about it and here's the thing we wrote 10 years later where we're not quite sure we should have been quite so excited about it. So it's, yeah, it's an inter- it holds an interesting place, I think, in music history. Well, after seven years, they still rated it as what top 100 mm, of yeah, the 2000s. Yeah. And that's pretty hard to come by. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess that 10 out of 10 rating in a you know compendium in 2009 on retrospect and maybe only getting 100, mm-hmm. maybe it was, you know, yeah. not as worthy as a 10 out of 10. But all of those reviews at the time... Uh, definitely helped it along. I don't know if it would be as prominent in our musical lexicon mm-hmm. these days if it yeah. wasn't for that review. So, yeah. yeah, can really change an album, those mm. sort of reviews. Yeah. So we've got three lead singers here. They, yes. They just couldn't decide. Could no. They, they couldn't pick one. They all had to have their own songs. Mm-hmm. So um, Conrad Keeley, lead vocals on some of the songs, guitars and string arrangements. Jason Reese on lead vocals and drums. Neil Bush on lead vocals and bass. And Kevin Allen on guitar. Mm. So Kevin doesn't get a voice in this album, just no. the guitar. And I think he might have left the band after this album, or was it Neil? One of them Neil, definitely Neil left. Neil left, left afterwards. Uh, afterwards, yeah. Yeah, but it's like I said, it's definitely like we've done we've done bands with multiple singers before, and it's usually they write songs and then they come and they sing their song. Like if if it's a song they wrote, they'll do the lead vocals for it. So I yeah, definitely exactly. get a similar vibe. Off this is like I wrote a song and it's not for you to sing. I'll sing it. But I didn't know they when I first heard it, and this was obviously listening to it with very different ears back in two thousand and whatever it was too. I always thought they just had the one singer. Mm. Like it doesn't sound like it's not like it's someone's completely different vocals. Now, if you if you know about it and you pay attention to it, you can detect the different singers. But back then, I was like, no, no, that's just one singer doing it all. Like it doesn't sound like it. They've got that style down really well. Mm. Mm. They also have five violin, viola, two mm. cello, saxophone, tenor sax, and a tenor harmonica, yeah. which I did not know existed, but yeah. now I want one. And um, they had six people on engineering. Um, and mastering was Harry Weinberg, mm-hmm. who did Herbie Hancock, Nirvana, Swashing Pumpkins, U2, Beastie Boys, PJ Harvey, Madonna, Gay Ayers, etc. Yeah. Oh, and Jethro Tull, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Nice. So um, Beastie Boys and Jethro Tull. Uh, so really good guy on mastering. Um, so, well, let's so, get... I was going to talk about the opening because they do yeah. all the... The one that are ones that I can remember off the top of my head, all their albums open in this kind of way, like not with a fully fledged song, yeah. but with some kind of other track that they compile out of stuff, and then it leads into something that really barrels. And they perfect it on Worlds Apart, but they do a really cool here with Invocation. So yeah. I probably won't put Invocation at the start of the podcast the way we normally do because it's what is it minute thirty two of not. Of music like it's just piano. noise and little pieces and cool piano melodies and stuff but i probably would have kicked in with it was there that i saw you because that's their sound yeah. but it's got a really cool little opening thing it is a cute little opening thing mm. but they don't just leave it as a cute little opening thing they no. pepper the album with little moments yeah. like that so they've like less than two minutes mm-hmm. of some noises and a bit of Thinking on the piano or something. Yeah, so they've got one. They've got that one at the start. They got "Life Is Elsewhere" right in the middle, which is kind of that breather of like the halfway point. I'm sure on vinyl, it's probably like either the last side of one, last track of one side, or the first track of another side. And, and then, then um, right at the end, they've got "After the Laughter," yeah. which is 
one track before the end um, and it sort of grabs that piano melody from the first one as well and tweaks it a little bit. Yeah. And they're also depending on what version of the record you get because the album that I had that I bought from the store and was also up on all your your Napsters and Soul Seeks and all that kind of stuff, didn't have Invocation, didn't start with Invocation. It started straight with uh, It Was There That I Saw You. Okay. So all I knew for a lot of years was the 11-track record that was minus Invocation and uh, Life Is Elsewhere. Okay. Uh, It did have After the Laughter, thank God, because that's a really, really nice, pretty part of the record. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have a vinyl copy from 2002, it actually sounds horrible. And right. I'm pretty sure what Interscope did at the time, if it was them or somebody else, had pretty much just got the CD master and just put it on the vinyl. And mm. it doesn't even come with a full vinyl size, uh, you know, piece of artwork as the right. inlay. They literally chucked in the CD <laughs> inlay and just chucked it in. So I do have that copy. It does sell very uh, well on Discogs. Right. I probably won't sell my copy, uh, <laughs> but... It doesn't sound great. I've been wanting to get the reissue. They the did reissue a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, because I just had the CD and it must have been the Australian CD edition that had the the extra instrument. Yeah. It might have been the well. American copy or maybe the European copy. Just, yeah. Um, didn't have those records. They yeah. were a 13 tracker. But yeah, as we said, after Invocation, it goes straight into It Was There That I Saw You. So it's got that beautiful little can... noodly guitar at the start mm-hmm. and then it's that slide down the bass before the drums kick in. Oh, I'm going to put that on the start of the episode because it gives me <laughs> every time. Just the bass, the slide down, it's just, ooh, I love it. So this is a Conrad song mm-hmm. um, and it's got shouty singing vocals, yeah. um, which are the vocals that I love the most. Um, and the guitar's going with lifts and then like a little symbol and then slow and then build up and stuff. But there are lyrics in there. Um Let me I thought was so poetic. Yeah, he's yeah. Like I said, the art, that art school boy. Like he's they oh, yeah. both got they're very got very good wordy lyrics and yeah, really cool. With a big push into a fuzzy outro. Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. But it's also like looking through what it is. Like so, it was there that I saw you, and he talks about you know, um, I time went on. I wondered what was wrong. I wonder what became of you. That sort of stuff. Is this possible? This is just a song about some person he saw one time standing at like a train station or something, and then he walked <laughs> off, and then he's like constructed this whole life for this person and then turned that into a song of like, oh, I always wonder what happened. And, you know, that's right. Like, it's just, it was there that I saw you. It could be like a really romantic, like a almost in excess style. That's where I saw you sort of thing. Yeah. But I feel like it's almost maybe just one person that like caught his eye and sticks in his memory and then he wrote a thing for it. It's yeah. That sounds like an art school. Boy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pining over somebody who was just, didn't he just passed Never by one morning. Spoke to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so there's another Conrad song, another morning stoner. Yes. With twiddly guitar and beautiful bass lines. Um, then the drums roll in. Mm-hmm. There's amazing drum work. Tell us about the drum work on this album because I was like, I don't think I'd ever sat down and listened to it purposefully. And I was listening to it for this album. I was like, this is just amazing. And it's the whole album, all so many of the tracks are really propulsive. 
And it's just the drum work is really doing that. If I can, uh, if you'll allow me to get a bit drum nerd Do here it. on this. 100%. The ride symbol is very prominent on this album. Um, I, and I don't think it's a super, you know, complex or super rare ride symbol. I think it's like a just a Zildjian A 20-inch or 22-inch ride. I And I'm, I'm just getting technical like that because it's pretty loud in the mix. It's got quite a wash to it. Mm-hmm. And... Another thing is when you look at the history of drummers and you look at their setups, um, you start, you know, back when Ringo had a drum kit and all it was kick, snare, rack tom, floor tom, hi-hat, crash and ride. Um, and then you get to the 80s when hair metal was a thing and, you know, people got to start to have 10 toms. Yeah. And, and Neopert existed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then the 90s came along. People started pairing that back. Well, you know, because I started listening to a hell of a lot more Led Zeppelin, I was like, oh, wait, you don't need two rack toms. You know what I mean? You could just do it with one rack tom and a floor tom. And people kind of saw that and went, oh, let's get back to basics. And then I feel there was this phase in the early 2000s that I think the Strokes may have um, captured it, whereas you don't need the crash symbol anymore. You can just have hi-hats and ride and just kick snare uh, rack floor and that's it you can maybe even do away with the rack tom just have the floor tom so go real minimalist on the drums so when you start i guess working with a limited option of things that you can hit you look at it from a different angle a little bit and i think this album opened me up to that idea that it's like you know more drums definitely isn't better mm-hmm. less is more kind of thing and yeah how they sit on the ride for a lot of it and it create it's a very melodic sounding ride to go with the melodic sounding guitar stuff is just so complimentary to mm-hmm. it all so with a, a, another morning stoner every time you they hit that ride symbol you feel the the hit of it yeah nice there's a line in there which i'm gonna say i related with Mm-hmm. It was relatable because my partner and I are at opposite ends of the musical spectrum. <laughs> and so I was just like, my fear is, and it's true. Like, it's yeah. coming true. We are opposite ends. We found other common ground. But music, I have to talk to Liam yeah. about. <laughs> um, and yes, so I just thought it was like a really nice line mm. in there. It's not my favorite song title, Another Morning Another Stoner. Another Morning Stoner, yeah. It's not very obvious, like, mm-hmm. what that title means at all. No. But no. this song is, yeah, it, it, I think it was the first taste that everybody got yeah. of the band as well. Mm-hmm. And. Another interesting thing is a lot of the album is written in uh, drop C. So you'd have your guitar, which is your standard E tuning, E-A-D, G-B-E. They went down a whole step, but then dropped the top string again a further step and that's you know, a lot of, of new metal bands yes yeah. as well. <laughs> it's it's a it's very much a metal sort of tuning right yeah. mm-hmm. but how they used it uh when i finally learned that they use that tuning on it i just was like wow you don't have to think of that tuning as just the the new metal tuning anymore. yeah can be anything can nice. be anything absolutely did you want to tell us about some of your favorite songs off the album 
Uh, another morning stone, it's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Um, how near, how far yep. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle part of that crushes me every time. <laughs> um, Relative Ways, which was also another single off that album, is uh, another one that I just airdrum to. Mm. It was, there was actually quite a few songs on this album in those early listens that I didn't get, like Days of Being Wild. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always hot on or... Um, uh, oh. It was very punk. It reminded me of the Descendants or something. Mm-hmm. Like Days yeah. of Being Wild just came in punk, punky, punchy straight away, and I was just like, "Oh, hello." Mm. Yeah, um, it took, took me a lot of years to really love the title track. Um, okay. and I think there's just some yeah. parts that I, I finally figured out that there there are heartstrings to tug along at. There, uh, I'm always yelling at the top of my lungs. The start of it was there that I saw you. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, those are some of my favourites. So yeah, so how near, how far? You've got, once again, amazing drum works, like a machine gun staccato, like really fast. Um, and then it actually sort of picks up. It's got a big instrumental section in the middle with someone singing how near, how far, how lost they are. But it's almost mm-hmm. like they were standing in a room and then they sort of stepped away from all the mics. So while the musicians were doing their thing, the instrumentalists, the vocals sort of stepped back and then sort of just started singing to themselves. In harmonies. In harmonies, yeah. So it's really cool. It's got an awesome line. Which again is just that art boy, art school, rock sort of stuff. Yeah. And I got the line in the following verse about the oil painted eyes as well. But yeah. Mm, Yeah, yeah. it is. It's very arty. Um, And it has, but it has like an invocation to it, harking back to the first track. Mm. Um, Like you can kind of imagine, like if you paint the picture lyrically. Mm -hmm. And then you've got like Baudelaire, track three, which at first to me sounded like. It was like almost like circus music. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. Like. My favorite song on the album, Borderlands. I've always loved it. Just got, and that's like, Neil doing that one. Yeah, one of his two songs. Um, just the beautiful to play with the guitar lines and the vocals, and then everything's just barreling along. Um, just like the, that intensity. Like I, I, I have a memory, and I'm not 100 sure it's even real or if I've just mixed a bunch of memories together. But I remember driving to a friend's place, having this in the stereo, listening to it for the first time, and sort of going through another Morning Stoner. Um, and then some, and then Baudelaire, and I'm just like, so I I I was coming to my own new music in like the late '90s, but I was listening to a lot of Oz Rock, so it was like all Grinspoon, UMI, Jebediah, Spidebait, those sorts of guys. And I'm listening to this, I'm like, I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard anything huge, chunky, driving, barreling, but just so focused on the guitar, like almost being more important to the song than the vocals. Like all those other bands, like very vocal heavy, they're all about the singer and what the singer is doing. Whereas this was just like these guitar things, I'd never heard anything mm-hmm. like it before. And I was just, I remember driving to the friend's place down Main Road in Sunnybank, just going, what is this? I don't, like, I just love this so much. It's so cool. Yeah, I I, I kind of realized later, I guess when my ears got a little bit more mature, when I hear when I hear it now, I think of Elvis Costello's Pump It Up. Okay. You know, it's got that kind of uh, drive to mm-hmm. the guitar, you know, going up the scale. But it's... 
structurally it's more straightforward than mm. a lot of the other yeah. tracks on the album mm. but it's got an anti-establishment kind of message yes to it. Mm. Like, which they do pepper through this album and most of their albums exactly well. so you'll have your romanticized ones mm-hmm. but then you'll have your anti-establishment ones and you're like mm, okay well i'm on board with all of this um like i could probably go to a dinner party with you and have a conversation at any level yeah which is nice um, so i love in Baudelaire. It's the piece that goes. And just that last little bit of like, if you're like, that kid back then that I was when I was listening to it for the first time being like, yeah, I'm one of the cool people. I'd hate to be one of the boring ones. One of you people who don't get it. And like, I get it. And everything is like very cool, but just, yeah, the way it leads into that is really awesome. That's cool. And what was the other one? So in source type from code. Um, mm, so the last one. Yeah. Um, there is uh, this awesome uh, line of, Lyric Buddies. Lyric Buddies. Yeah, that one. Yeah, it's just really, like, beautifully done. Like, I don't know what keeps trying to save me and guide me or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, that's, a, like, that's how I feel sometimes, you know? Like, like I could have gone down some really pretty dark paths, but for some reason I've chosen well mm-hmm. and I'm living a happier life for it. And yeah. I, som- I sometimes really resonate with the lyric and source tags and codes where he says, trying to find out what took you so long. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that lyric, and maybe it's because the notes that they're hitting right at that moment as they're playing them. I think I've got goosebumps just talking about it. I yeah. don't know why it's it's that one particular yeah. smallest part in mm-hmm. the album crushes me every time. Weird. And you mentioned relative waves as well mm-hmm. so that melody is so it's, beautiful it's almost, it's almost a calm song by comparison to the rest of the album yeah. it's just like oh okay we're just gonna rest we're gonna actually gonna hear the melody you know it's not gonna be we're not gonna be going 100 miles an hour but they go on the offbeat mm-hmm. too um and the vocals go along with the guitar line and it lifts and goes shouty and then he sings it's okay i'm a saint i forgave your mistake but he sings it four times mm-hmm. and he starts off softly singing it and it ramps up each time until he's like shouting it by the end. Yeah. And so in that same song, they've got a chorus at the start where he sings, I won't drop this in, but this electric guitar hanging to my knees, a couple of verses I can barely breathe, but it's all right, it's okay. It's coming together in relative ways. It's literal, it's meta. Yeah. yeah. So he's singing it nicely the first time. And then by the second time he gets around it, he's ramped up through that stuff that you were talking about. And now he sneers that line, that whole verse. Yeah. And it's just like such a difference that there's a thing that you always see online is like if there's a set, there's a whole bunch of different sentences you can read. And depending on what word you emphasize 
completely changes the meaning oh, of the sentence. Yeah. And this is like he's, he puts a sli- he puts a different emphasis on the chorus and the verse, and now it's just completely different meaning. Yeah, and and also to have a reprise straight after it with after the laughter, mm-hmm. like also gives me goosebumps as well. And how I loved how as it's fading out, like the piano line of it, you can hear a little bit of fireworks in the back yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just really beautiful. Because there's outros on a lot of the songs on the whole album, like 30, 30 seconds, sometimes up to a minute of just fuzzes, sounds from carnivals. Um, just lot people talking, all sorts of stuff. It's really cool. Then mm-hmm. how, how about that punch straight in the homage or homage? Yeah, yeah I was going to well. say mm-hmm. adjacent track. So homage, straight in, shouting, then drops into a drool, yeah. like vocaling, which I thought was like really nice. And um, this one's got a um, lyric of. And I was like, yeah, okay. I, I want to say that event at Livid where he jumped into the, the wheelie bin of water, mm-hmm. I think it was during Homage. During Homage, yeah, that, <laughs> makes, that makes sense, yeah. And it ramps up into like piercing shouting yeah, and then 30 seconds of messy feedback for mm-hmm. the outro. But it just fits really well. Like, um, having that like sharp beginning and then that messy outro was like a really nice journey to go on. Liam? Um, I love Days of Being Wild. So another one like Homage where it just kicks straight in with him going, yeah, over the top of it. Yeah, and like they punch in. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Um, so they do their thing and then it slows right down mm-hmm. and then it slowly comes into that build up and the build up and the build up and it's just so cool. And then the payoff on that is just, I like not necessarily the song is not my favorite song on the album, but that piece, the payoff of that build up is just so cool. It's my favorite bit of the album. So where he goes... And then he starts repeating that, those five lines over and over. And one of the other singers does some spoken word stuff over the top. Which I have got as a lyric, buddy. Okay. Yeah. The whole, the whole piece or just no, that, that No, bit? just um, part of it of uh, you are trying to take a stab. You try to take a stab. You try to make something happen. And the colors saturate into the walls of the buildings. Mm, so cool. Wow. So you, So you look at that whole piece. They do the spoken word when you read the lyric. Yeah. And it's like, it's really long. There's like a lot to yeah. it. And he doesn't repeat stuff about institutions and stuff at the end. Yeah. That whole bit is 45 seconds long. I've never tried to decipher it, but wow! I yeah, like, it's like yeah. it's it's so like they cram all this thing into like he just he only repeats the backing lyric like three or four times, and but then they just race through that spoken word stuff. It's so awesome. It's totally worth it. Yeah, so cool. Um, so yeah, and that's a Jason song. So thanks, mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah, I think the only song we haven't really mentioned is "Hands in the Heart of the Matter." Heart, heart in the hand of the matter. Oh, yeah. heart of the hand of the I always mix it up. It was always going to be one of them. Yeah, yeah. That was a song that I'd always used to skip over as well in, in early listens. And okay. Just because it, it seemed really out of place, but I've learned to love it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I keep the needle on for that track. It's It's got its place. It's, yeah, it, it's a little um, stop-starty in a way, but yeah, I think it's great. It deserves to be there. Mm. Yeah. Well, the intro is them 
twinkling about with their instruments for the first 35 seconds. Mm. Yeah. And then just like making a bit of noise. And then the driving drums come in and the rolling bass and there's harmonies at the chorus. And it goes from breathy vocals into shouty vocals. Um, and he shouts or sings, there's nothing to be done. We have lost all control. I walk in the shadows of your torturous realm. Mm-hmm. Like... Oh, and Monsoon as well. Actually, yeah. Monsoon is pretty badass. A, a song yeah. that I also didn't quite understand at the time, but yes, super, super badass. Yeah, yeah. so Monsoon's got the slow build. Yeah. Like the, so the other ones, they, they, they'll they either have a straight into it or they'll have like a 10, 15 seconds slow build before you get into it. But that one, they actually, because it's nearly six minutes long mm. and they actually do have that slow build of the, the instruments coming in and layering and stuff, which is really cool. Yeah, it's a challenge at first, I think, on, on early listens, but the mm. the drum, the snare drum roll on it and all that yeah. and then the bit of a bridge, it's just amazing. Yes. And that's um that's got the huge, the violins in the orchestral section as well. So yes. like the... I think the violins were mostly in the instrumental breaks in between, but mm-hmm. also on this song. This was the only song I think that features them prominently. And I think it was worth having the strings on this album. It did add that mm. extra depth. Yeah. Sure. yeah. If, if you uh, listen all the way through after the title song, um, there is a secret track and it is just the isolated violins from How Near, How Far. Okay. And oh, um, nice. I, I would say it's probably pretty buried in the mix of the song, but hearing them isolated, yeah. I, look, they must have known just how beautiful it is on their own. It was worthy of a, a bit of a secret track. Awesome. Now, so we've touched on all the tracks mm. now, haven't we? Yep. Okay, I think so we can I think go to a final pitch. Final pitch time. Yep. So, Branko, you brought Trail of Dead to us. What is the final pitch for this album? I think it's an album for total music lovers. Uh, at the time, I, I guess when you were saying about their influences like Fugazi, Bikini Kill, Sonic Youth, bands that I all lo- uh, love, absolutely love, like Fugazi for me. I, I almost considered a Fugazi song as a pitch, mm-hmm. but trying to pick my favourite album of theirs is trying <laughs> to pick like a, a, a favourite child. So. Nice. Um, I didn't know those influences at the time. Maybe it might have been the gateway drug to, you know, for them to become my favorite bands. But that album just made me look at music in a a different way that I hadn't thought of at the time. And yes, there was the whole reviews thing. It definitely helped. Um, But I'd like to thank those reviews for bringing Mm. that album to me. So I think the uh, if I was to pitch it to somebody... You know, and they hadn't heard it. Like, what, what does this album sound like? It's like, look, it just sounds like a musical journey. That might sound loaded, um, but they'll totally get it when they put the headphones on. It's probably definitely um, a headphone album. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be enjoyed with headphones, but it will also be enjoyed on a huge sound system as well. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Banco. Yeah. Thank you. Liam, Hello. so you are obviously heard this album yep. and continued the journey. Mm-hmm. You can follow the trail of dead. Yes. And what are your final thoughts? Yeah. And thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, so yeah, like I described earlier, like and like you just said, is like I heard this and I was like, I hadn't I didn't know anybody who sounds like this. Um, I wish more bands still sounded like this. I, like, <laughs> the, I don't. I don't think they're a band that's necessarily influenced a lot of people. Like, they're the kind of thing that oh, we want to be, we want to sound like them, we want to work like them. Um, but you know, to their detriment, um, 
yeah, love love all the guitar parts, love all the songs. The drum work is really amazing, as I said, really cool. Um, Conrad and Jason have followed their careers now as you know through eleven albums of Trailer Dead stuff. Really great. Um, coming back to it again, yeah. Sometimes we those in like the little breath clearing parts on albums, we might go, "Oh, that doesn't really fit," or it breaks up too much. But for me, like they're just part of that album and all the way through. Um, just to go a bit behind the scenes, when we first started the podcast, when we were getting guests on, because we didn't have a lot of episodes that they could listen to, we thought what we'll do is we'll put a shortlist together and that way they can pick one album from the shortlist if they see something they think is flawless. And at least that way when they do their first episode, they'll have someone in the room who already agrees with them and they can sort of make the case together. And then after a little while, the first time someone looked through that list and said, actually, I don't think any of those are flawless. We threw that out the window and said, okay, that's fine. Guests can just pick two albums and off we go. And if George had checked this shortlist before the episode recording today, he would have seen that I have Trail of Dead, Source Tags and Codes on the shortlist. <laughs> Amazing. Which I, I think this is flawless. I think I could also make the case that Worlds Apart is flawless. I think it's got higher highs. There's a couple of tracks that aren't as strong as the other tracks on this yeah, album. Agreed. Whereas this one is just 100% beautiful all the way through. You couldn't skip it. You get to the end of Source Tags and Codes and there's some cool stuff, some violin sweeping stuff that feeds back into the start of the album perfectly, which means you can listen to it on repeat and you would never skip a track. So 100%. I thought it was flawless when we started the podcast and I still think it's flawless now. <laughs> so we didn't change your mind? Didn't cha- no, well, over time. There's some albums that I look at that I put on my shortlist back then and now if I think back, like, uh, would I really, could I really make that case with Hand on My Heart? Whereas this mm-hmm. one, yeah. It, it probably would have been in one of my nominations fairly soon if you hadn't dropped it in there. So when you dropped it in there, I was very excited. Amazing. So, nice. 100% flawless from me. Oh, so it's all on me now. Yeah. Okay. Final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay. So I was always leaning towards a full list as soon as it was, no- as soon as it was nominated because I knew how much I loved the band. Um, and I know that they're amazing live and they are right up my alley. Doing a deep dive brought some things up to my attention about the fact the three singers and how different their songs are, but how then cohesive it is that you've got three writers, three singers, bring their album together and it sounds like a cohesive album. And it is a glorious piece of music to consume. Um, I haven't stopped listening to this and Worlds Apart like for the last few weeks whilst we've been preparing mm-hmm. um, and getting very excited. Uh, so, of course, I'm going with my original assumption that this is a flawless record. Nice. So, Liam, Branco, thank you. Thank yeah. you for nominating it, Branco. Yeah, thank you very much. That's so We've cool. got a tick, big tick for Trail of Dead. Nice work. Big tick. And we can let them know yes. now and they might reform. That would be great. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. And I've got to throw a shout out to my friend Josh, who's in a band called Sincerely Grizzly, uh, who are from Adelaide. Um, how you were saying there's you don't see many bands that were influenced by Trail of mm-hmm. Dead. I think Sincerely Grizzly are a band that have a heavily heavy influence, although not uh, obvious, yeah. definitely has part okay. of that. And Josh is actually now good friends with the Trail of Dead guys. And right. he was the first person that I met that shared uh, my love for mm-hmm. Trail of Dead. And I think when we first met each other and started chatting, we figured that out. I think we just went, dude, we should be friends. Yeah, nice. All awesome. right, check them out. Forever Grizzly. 
Sincerely Grizzly. Sincerely Grizzly, sorry. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you, Branko, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We made it to a flawless episode. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Flawless AMP on all of those. You can join the conversation, share or like our posts, and give us a rating. Every little bit helps us find more music lovers like you. As mentioned, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. If you'd like to back us, check us out on there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>